do something you like. Find mm-hmm. something you, you like and, and do that. Because uh, I've always followed what I like, followed my passions, and that keeps you going. Uh, I've also seen persons who do what they are supposed to do or from an external influence are thought to be doing and they get burned out on that really quickly and whatever you whatever job you choose you're going to be doing that for a long time in principle uh, so pick something you like that's so your heart should be in it your heart should be in it and if it's if it's no longer in it then think about doing something different you're listening to further together the orau podcast Join Michael Holtz and his guests for conversations about all things ORAU. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, our impact on an ever-changing world, our innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers, and our commitment to the communities where we do business. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Recently, I had the opportunity to speak with several NASA National Postdoctoral Program research fellows about the amazing work that they're doing. And I got to tell you, I think you'll agree with me. Their work is amazing, and it's very interesting. If you're a space junkie like I am, you're going to nerd out on these conversations. Enjoy. Dr. Jansen, welcome to Further Together. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Happy to talk about what I've been doing. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about who you are, your current role in the NASA MPP fellowship program, and then a bit about your background. Okay, so I'm Rainer Jensen. Uh, I'm currently uh, towards the end of my fourth year in the MPP program. Uh, I've been uh, those four years at the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory, working on novel detectors for foreign threat astrophysics. Uh, my background, I'm originally from the Netherlands, where I also did my PhD degree at the Delft University of Technology, uh, doing part of my technical research there and a bit of my astrophysics research at Leiden University. Okay. And I spent two years as a postdoc uh, near Paris uh, before I joined JPL. Awesome. So, Rainier, was science always something that was interesting to you? Was that something that you gravitated to in college or I guess, how did you being in the Netherlands, how did you get, how did science find you? I think I naturally gravitated towards that. So both my parents are fairly strong, what we call beta. So science background, uh, math, uh, physics, that kind of thing. So I naturally in, in high school gravitated to subjects like math and like, physics and and enjoyed that um never on the other hand i also never had a clear vision of what i wanted to be okay i i was not like i want to become a doctor or i want to become a lawyer or so i want to be an astrophysicist right no so <laughs> that that never came up to me so actually after high school going to university i sort of took the easy way out and i said i like physics in high school so i'll just gonna continue studying physics okay and then in my first year of physics at university there was a uh, an optional program to do some astrophysics which i thought that sounds cool let's try that out and 
as I started doing more of that, I actually found what I found very cool about it was that astrophysics sort of com combined all the se separate topics that you need that you do. So you do some some electromagnetism and you do some mechanical dynamics and you do some thermal dynamics and then you do one astrophysics course and it takes a little bit of that and a little bit of that and a little bit of that and that you combine and then you can suddenly understand a lot of things which are going on in our universe so that drew me in and never let me go basically <laughs> and here you are <laughs> yeah so being from the netherlands I mean, on the one hand, I have to assume you knew what NASA was, you knew about NASA. How did you find the MPP program? So I almost have to say the MPP program found me. Okay. Uh, so um, uh, when I was graduating my PhD degree, um, I sent around to various persons in the field like, uh, here's my PhD thesis. Uh, I'm going to graduate then and then. And actually, the, the, the day before my defense, uh, my current MPP supervisor sent me an email and like, this looks great. Would you like to uh, write or come uh, do a postdoc at JPL and, and potentially through the MPP program? Uh, at that point, I actually had to say no, because I just accepted the position in Paris. And for personal reasons, I didn't want to leave, leave Europe at this, that moment. Okay. Uh, but a year later, there was a clear opportunity for both me and my wife to, uh, to make a big jump across the ocean. And so I wrote back and say, uh, is that offer still on the table? And he's, my current supervisor said yes. So then we wrote an MPP proposal and that was granted. So... And four years later, here you are. Yeah, four years later, I'm still here. So, yeah, no, it's been great. Uh, I've definitely been enjoying my time. That's awesome. Um, was there culture shock from where, from where, well, from Paris to here, but also from the Netherlands to the United States? I've never experienced it as a big culture shock. Okay. What I noticed really helped. Uh, compared to Paris, for example, was I, my French is okayish, but not great. Gotcha. So there was a clear, in Paris, there was a clear language barrier. And that is of course gone here because my English is no, effectively fluent. Gotcha. Okay. So that, that I noticed that really helped to, to integrate with people. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, the things are different, but I, what I also say is, I, this is I, I'm now in California. Right. California might be meant, and on top of that, I'm in a scientific community. And both of these things might mean that I now experience a biased population of the US, which is more <laughs> European minded. Let's put it that way. I gotcha. That makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so you've been um, a NASA MPP fellow for four years, as yeah. you said. I have to imagine there's been a tremendous impact on your career and sort of looking ahead, what happens next for Dr. Rainier Jansen? So that is a good question to which I don't have a definitive answer yet. Um, okay. So there's a, a number of, uh, I've been applying to various positions, including a uh, tenure track or permanent staff position at universities back in Europe. Uh, but also uh, at least my current supervisor has expressed intent to maybe keep me on at JPL. 
Okay. Uh, there's folks who I know work on similar topics at the National Institute of Standards and Technology in Boulder who are interested. So a lot of options, uh, uh, but so as I said to other people, I will probably be doing research somewhere next year. Uh, right. I still don't know where. <laughs> but continuing the work nonetheless. Yeah, definitely continuing within the field. Uh, and I'm very happy that NPP basically allowed me or has has elevated my career to a, de to a degree that, that that's possible now. And people want you, it sounds like. Yeah, people <laughs> want me. So that's, uh, no, that's it's. So when I was thinking, so yeah, when I was thinking about what what does NP what does NPP really learn me? What have I really learned these four years? And for me, that's really been an evolution from a a researcher who takes on a task and and can't do it on his own. But really now, I'm noticing I've noticed a shift within myself that I've gone from taking on a part of a project to really having the confidence to lead part of the projects. Okay. That's a, that's, that's a, a great feeling to, to, to notice. Let me, um, just to follow up on that, let me skip ahead a few questions and talk about the collaborative process. Cause you've mentioned that a little bit, um, you know, you're leading part of the project, but you also work on a team. So you're not, as you said, you're not doing the research alone. You're not working on this by yourself. Talk, just talk about, through that process and how meaningful and important that is. I mean, I think it's unavoidable, especially in, in my line of research where, which is experimental physics, there's so much things involved. Right. Um, so the team we, on the, on the largest scale, I'm now in a, in a NASA balloon mission. Uh, so that's a, a group of must be 40 ish people. Okay. Uh, within that, like uh, a number of six or so, six or seven PIs from different institutes across the entire United States, and then all their graduate students and postdocs and, and uh, all working together on that. Then within that, uh, I started as picking up the, the JPL Caltech contribution, which are the detectors, uh, as, as is my okay. special. Um, and I, I've definitely evolved into somebody more or less leading that effort uh, in, from JPL, so to say. Um, gotcha. And then within, within JPL, I collaborate closely with a fabrication engineer who uh, makes the detectors. Uh, I'm supervising a graduate student at um, Caltech who works with me in the lab to do the measurements, the data analysis, uh, and then uh, working with uh, another two graduate students at the University of Illinois uh, to do simulations, uh, to do designs, uh, to interface basically between our detectors and the, the cryostat that they eventually will need to be housed in. So that's a, a lot of collaborations all over the place and on, on, on different branches of what we actually do and what we need to get ready in order to fly this thing eventually. Right. Well, and as you said, it's not just collaboration in your lab it's collaboration with students and, and scientists around the country so yeah it's, it's around the country and and besides that i'm in a also internationally still collaborating on a, on a number of astrophysics research okay. topics so that's uh yeah um, it's it's worldwide worldwide yeah i mean one of my collaboration meetings literally is worldwide uh 
That's amazing. Um, You talked a little bit about, you know, you're working with a graduate student at Caltech and at the University of Illinois. Um, So in a sense, you're serving as mentors to those those grad students. Um, And you've clearly, I assume, been mentored yourself. Talk about the the importance of mentorship, being mentored, but then also serving as a mentor for others and the value that that mentorship plays in scientific endeavor. I think the main value that it plays is that it instills not so much knowledge, but almost more values. Like how do you treat your colleagues? How do you go about certain things? And that I maybe coming back to what's a culture culture shock. I do think that there is a different culture between, or not a very strongly different culture, uh, but there can be differences in culture between fields, between countries, between institutes, between everything to say. Because I, for example, was very much mentored in an open, collaborative, uh, collaborative environment, and. For example, uh, being now in the US, I already have to be aware that there are literally some laws that would um, prevent me from being as open and collaborative as I've been instilled to do towards, for example, uh, foreign institutes. I got to. Because of certain uh, regulations uh, from from the US State Department. Gotcha. Security concerns. Security concerns, basically, yeah. Okay. Um, and what about being a mentor for younger scientists? How? Why is that important to you? Maybe it's a selfish answer, answer but I do I do enjoy seeing them grow. Okay. Like they, I do enjoy trying to pass on my my knowledge and values towards others, but and then then seeing the return on investment, so to say, seeing mm-hmm. really these graduate students grow into going from maybe a shy person to, to, to really picking up a project. And then at some point coming back with results like, Whoa, okay, that's great. And and hitting their, seeing them hit their stride is, is really cool. Awesome. I love that answer. Um, is there an element of STEM that, or of science in general that you have found to be the most empowering? I think for me, it's again a mindset thing. I think a lot of science is, is being able to think about the problem, reduce it to its core components, think about, be, be level-headed about issues, so to say, and, and, and really think about why is this happening um, and, and thinking towards solutions. Like, okay. uh, and I think that's not, I mean, it, it's what more widely applicable than just science uh, or the, at least the science which you're working on and that I think is is for me always has been a great value uh, and things uh, thing other people recognize in me like oh we need to have this or that done and that that's not necessarily a science problem but also a how do we talk to we have an issue and we need to talk to the board of our sports club mm-hmm. uh, who do we put forward well we should put Rainier forward because 
he can look at a, like he can look at a problem and word things in a way that are logical and take to some degree the emotion out, which in in some cases just uh, can be more of an obstacle than something else. Absolutely, yeah. Emotions can become can become obstacles in their own right. Yeah. Isn't there? Um, speaking of, can you talk about a time that you faced a sizable obstacle, and then how you overcame that? I think one of the the main obstacles which I have experienced during my career was was early on in my PhD when I had found a result which I was confident was the right result, but it was so. Uh, orthogonal to the current knowledge okay. that it took me a while to convince my supervisors that this was really the case. And how I overcome that is on one hand, I sort of just stood by my results and said like, yeah, this is what I see. And in the end, I think it just took me talking to other people, but also my supervisor talking to other people independently uh, and, and showing these results to other people and, and slowly convincing them like, uh, and some people are like, well, this is a cool result. They are immediately on board and others take a bit more convincing and ask a bit more uh, in-depth questions, which, right. which they try to poke holes in your results. And I think that's only good because I, um, I also worked on projects where you want to be like where you're, you're on yourself poking holes in your results because you don't believe it. Um, but I think that that just slowly trying to convince and allowing people to review and, and ask what's going on here, then slowly you get traction. And in the end, it was not necessarily me who convinced my supervisor, but another person who asked, wait, that's a really cool result. That, And then basically my supervisor came back to me and was like, uh, we should, I, I come back on my earlier statement that we should do the paper this way. We should go your original route. Right, right. Excellent. Um, Rainier, what advice would you give to an up-and-coming scientist who may want to follow in your footsteps? The advice I always give, and that's not necessarily for scientists, but I would like to say that goes for everyone. Do, okay. so, do something you like. Find mm -hmm. something you like and, and do that because uh, I've always followed what I like, followed my passions and that keeps you going uh, I've also seen persons who do what they are supposed to do or from an external influence are thought to be doing and they get burned out on that really quickly and whatever, you, whatever job you choose you're going to be doing that for a long time in principle right. uh, so pick something you like that's so your heart should be in it your heart end. should be in it and if it's it, if it's no longer in it then think about doing something different because there's people think that switching field is hard but there's a lot of example if you ask around there's a lot of examples of people doing something completely different than what they were trained to do and many of my friends say what i learned in university yeah, I mean, the way of thinking, yes, but other than that, no. Yeah, I've talked to several of your MPP colleagues who have said, you know, this was not the path that I started on. And, oh. you know, they found a new path while they were studying or, you know, yeah. what they thought they liked in high school. You know, they found something else in, in undergraduate or 
or graduate school. So, yeah, and I'm, I um, might be in, in that sense. I'm a bad example because I I sort of linearly followed continues for me it's a fairly linear path and then sure. a break on my end like I don't like this anymore I go and do something else but uh, as you say many examples who do so don't be afraid to do that right right absolutely um you've been a MPP fellow for four years I would assume you would recommend the fellowship to others why would you recommend the NASA MPP fellowship to other folks I think it's a it's an amazing opportunity to to get to institutes which are generally very well known within their field. Uh, at least within my field, with the group I'm in, is very well renowned and regarded. And this is just a great opportunity to go and and work there. So yeah, the and and get that experience and that growth and yeah, that's I think the the main the main and. That's another point, I think, and I've only realized that halfway is, or my supervisor really needed to employ that on me. It's, you have your own funding. So you're a lot more independent than, uh, than a sort of a sponsor from a host institute. So you have a lot more flexibility in doing, in following your passion, following what you like. Uh, and you're following your research because you've proposed yes. the project that you're working on that has gotten funded. So yeah. You're not doing someone else's work. Exactly. Right. I love that. I, every one of your colleagues, I think, has echoed the same thing as I've talked to them. Yeah. Um, Dr. Jansen, last question for you. What brings you joy? Doing something I like, being with people I like, hanging out. That's another thing, maybe being with people you like and hanging out with people you like. Um, also look again, advice for future people. Um, don't only think what you're working on. Also think about who you'll be working with. Mm. That is going to be maybe even more important than, than also what you're doing. It kind of sets the tone, doesn't it? <laughs> it sets the tone and it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Jansen, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. Um, congratulations on four years in the fellowship program. And I look forward to, to hearing and seeing what happens next with you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really had a nice time doing this. Thanks. Great. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, at ORAU, and on Instagram, at ORAU Together. If you like Further Together, the ORAU podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.